want to put up some uh, scriptures there this morning, and uh, we'll read those uh, uh, as we go into the uh, thought this morning. And we have this one. We all just love this one. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Uh, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. In your bulletin you will see that there are many more passages of scriptures from which, you know, uh, we draw our theme and our thoughts uh, this morning. Uh, but those are a few just to, to, to get us started today. So, Father, we thank you and we bless you that your word is life. We thank you that the spirit gives life. We thank you that you said this life that we have is abundant. God, and so we're so grateful today that we heard already how that, God, there is trouble in the world, but you have overcome the world. And because you have, we shall also, by your good grace and mercy. I pray a special blessing and continued blessing upon the families of Bible Center Church, uh, both those that... Uh, in those that attend here and their extended families. Father, that there would just be a a fresh, God, uh, wave of the Holy Spirit. There would be renewed faith, energized faith, God, and um, that they could see and we all could see, you know, the wonders of you. God, thank you for all the workers. And thank you for all the work that's being done. Some, Lord God, we're familiar with, and others, God, we get acquainted with, but others only you know about. But for those workers in our midst, we pray, God, that there would be a rich reward in this life and also in the eternities of you. God, we pray this morning for the families that, whose hearts this morning uh, are on this week and days prior, God, they've been making intercession. That there would be a divine movement by you on their behalf. God, just as you are touched with the feeling of our infirmities, parents and family are touched by the feelings of their children and children's children and the events in their lives. And so thank you for your consciousness and your awareness, but also for your, your power to intervene. God, thank you for your blessings that we have in this great country of ours. Lord, that we enjoy such liberty, such freedoms. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who willingly gave himself for us so that we might be free. The Holy Spirit that is present this morning with us every day walks with us, empowers us. To our Heavenly Father, whom we love dearly, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good all the time, yes. I want to talk this morning and help us in a journey, and uh, at least help me in a journey, and maybe you can come along for the ride. 
But when faith looks messy, when faith looks messy, when life seems more messy than manageable, when circumstances seem to contradict the promises. Messy faith is that working out of your salvation. You may be surprised, but if you give close attention to it, you'll discover that messy faith is being sure and unsure. It's being whole and broken. When we are warring, we discover that we lose and we win. We find that at times we are right and other times we are wrong. And sometimes we have no clue at all. But we believe anyway. Trusting God to perfect that final product of our flawed human life. Strong faith. A kind of faith that keeps us from imploding. Self-destructing. When those difficult and stressful seasons happen. That kind of faith is not handed out by God like free cookies at a bake sale. Now, it's matured. It's strengthened, it's refined over much time and through thousands of small daily choices just to trust him. Amen. Know the thoughts that I have. They're good. They give you a future and a hope. There's a word that you're probably familiar with, and we don't use it all the time, but yet it's, it, we use it once in a while, and that's called providence. And I think it fits here because it means the unfolding of all of life events. And that's what life is about. It's the unfolding of them all. Yes. And yet God promises to take those and work them out for our good. For us to try and sort out the events of life is difficult when we have, when it's a challenge just to sort socks. <laughs> to get the pairs together. Yeah. Where is that one? How do they fit? Where is it at? And yet, God is able to take all those events, bring them under perfect control and guidance for our lives. It says that they did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us, you know. So I deduct from this that what isn't happening today has a bright future tomorrow. Has a bright future tomorrow. When Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith, the context of that is, and the conclusion really reads like this. 
They shall survive the ordeal. Praise the Lord. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And as Scott mentioned, is because of our position in Christ. Now, unless you would think that your house of faith is, you know, excluded, I refer you to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, in the story of the builders. The houses that were built, the house that all houses experience the same thing. But one stood. Now notice what it says happens to our house. And the house that we're building is a house of faith. It says the rains fell. Well, we can relate to that, can't we? I wish it would stop raining. The floods came. What's it telling us? It gets overwhelming. It isn't stopping. There's backups. The winds blew. I walked out this morning and I thought the north wind has set in from someplace way too early. Think about it now. Talking about a house. It beat on it. When faith looks messy. Yes. See, the life of faith may be messy, but it's not weak. It stood. Yes. Our faith is, can appear and be messy from time to time, but it's not, it's not weak. You see, your spiritual journey isn't a straight path to flawless faith. It's a winding path that sometimes takes you through significant struggles. Yes. You want to believe, but doubt stands in the way. But the good news is, is that no matter how messy your faith is, God has promised to meet you in the middle of it and making something beautiful out of your messy faith. Because he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of his, his appearing. Yes. Hallelujah. Sometimes life is more messy than manageable. There's a greater reason than just your answered prayer. It's God's glory. It's God's glory and God's plan. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. It was the psalmist that said, those things that seem intolerable today will break into joy tomorrow. Yes. Now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face. 
Remember that when God does something new, it always looks messy. You don't have to be afraid of it falling apart. No. New things often, you know, are not well put together. But in the process, there is the binding and the bonding. You see, God is the, not only wants your life, your material life, God is the maker of the material in your life. Yes, he's the maker of that material. So many times he has to reach down into this dirt again. To this humanity. And he has to resurrect it from the grave that we dig ourselves into. But with his love, his mercy, and his grace, he lifts us back up. Yes. God is into the supernatural. Learning how to live for God's glory when the stakes are high and the cost is steep. You see, in this culture, in our Western culture, we often view seeking God's plan for our lives as something that looks better and more glitzy. And there's nothing immoral about that. Wishing for a comfortable life. Not at all. But all across the world, when Christians are seeking God, they're not fretting about career decisions, about hopes and dreams. No, they're learning how to live for the glory of God in the midst of great opposition. Jesus is not simply calling us to prayer. He's summoning us to lose our lives and to be sold out for him. You see, Jesus is not customizable. We can't make him into something that fits our culture or fits what we would like. He said, if you desire to come after me, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. He said, you don't have to seek the things that the Gentiles seek. What do they seek? They seek everyday well-beings. He said, if you will seek the kingdom, your everyday things will be taken care of. Hallelujah. So, he is making... He's the maker, rather, of the material in our lives. I don't know about you, but I have been really experiencing a makeover. Now, us men, we don't know too much about that. But the women, you know about makeovers, right? Yeah. So we take our lesson from you.
experiencing a major makeover in, in my life. And so when I talk to you, when I'm speaking to you, I'm not speaking, you know, at you. I'm speaking from what's happening here. That I believe that this is a cause worth dying for. And that he is a king worth living for. Yes. I believe that Jesus is more than a life coach. He is a Lord of life. Yes. He wants to be our personal trainer. He is our cheerleader. And he stands on, not just on the sidelines of life. No. He is the Lord of the storms of our life. The winds and the waves. Because he's not just a life coach. He is Lord of all. Somehow Joseph had, you know, an understanding of that. Because his life was filled. What would seem like dreams that could never come true. But they did. When Jesus walks on the water... He does not walk on the water to wow us. He walks on the water to rescue us. Hallelujah. Yes, he is our light in the darkness. He is the overcomer in our lives. Sometimes God messes with our plans. Yes. And the reason for that is invariably there must be a breakdown before there can be a breakthrough. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. Remember the disciples when they were anticipating the kingdom that Jesus had talked about and everything goes a mess. There's a crucifixion. There's a death. And the in-between silence Really messes with them. But think about it. Without the mess, you would have missed God's best. You would have missed God's best. It was the mess that gets you to the rest. The dream of Joseph took very unexpected turns. It's written for a reason, written for a purpose. What was happening those three days? You don't hear much about it. Scripture doesn't refer a lot to it. There are a couple references to it. 
looks like somehow that there is no activity. And yet, there really is a lot of activity that is, that is going on. It says that he went and preached on the spirits in prison. It says that he went and got the keys of death and hell. And before he could announce it to his followers, he had done all that. Your mess is not a mess. No, I'm not saying that some of our messes are our own choices, but thank God he works all things together for good that love him and are called according to his purpose. You know what I mean? He is a God who gets us out of mess. During that time, there was great things that were transpiring, that silent period. I'm convinced that sometimes we must step forward with confidence and uncertainty. It was Esther. She said, if I perish, I perish. But this is something I must do. She doesn't. She's not sure. There was confidence and also uncertainty. Don't, you know, be paralyzed by the duels sometimes that happen in your life. The development of faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says that when God called Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going. We love to come to God and say, God, show me my five year plan. <laughs> Huh? Yes. And I'm not against planning. God's not against planning. But most of the time when we, or a lot of time when we come to him, that's what we're interested in. And God is trying to work a faith in us by which we come to where we just trust him for the next five years. You see, because it's possible to trust in chariots and horses and not in the living God. You don't have to get rid of your horses or your chariots. You just can't trust in them. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's all. You see, without the mess, you will miss Malta, the island of Malta. Those are the quick inscriptions where you know to be able to put it together real quick. But Paul is on his way to Rome, and that's where he's supposed to be headed. And all of a sudden, you know, he finds himself shipwrecked. Because God's got a stop off for him and it's not on the port of agenda to stop there. And so what looked like a mess was an assignment. Oh, hallelujah. It's an assignment.
There is personal ministry. There is personal growth. I mean, there's just so many things that are transpiring in what would seem like the detours that happen in our lives. Yes, I, I, I don't like the mess. Now, I believe that we need to sometimes adjust our internal mindset not to be shaken by the external conditions. Paul said, I have learned, be content in whatsoever state I am in. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying, you know what I mean? My response to adversity must be that. I can handle this. I've been made more than conquerors through Christ who who strengthens me. Your times of weakness is opportunities for God's strength. It's his glory, even in adversity. Yes. It seems that the greatest glory happens in the greatest adversity. Whether it's you, Daniel, the Hebrew children, Esther, many others in the chapter 11 of Hebrews, when you read Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith the walls fell down. By faith, harlot Rahab did not perish. Then he goes on to talk about Gideon and Barak and all of those. But what you will notice in every one of them, that there is an act of faith that precedes every victory. An act of faith that precedes every victory. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. It was John the Baptist said that he recognized the kingdom principle. That kingdom principle was, he said, I must decrease in order for him to increase. Yeah, there is a reduction that we must come to in our own eyesights. And there is, you know, an exaltation that must also come in relationship to him. In the world, you'll have tribulation, he mentioned. Well, the book of Daniel tells us that. Just a quick flyover of the book of Daniel shows us that when humans are in power, it is beastly rule. Daniel chapter 7, verse 3 Four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Yeah. He's showing us the picture. What happens with men are in rule. But then, in verse 14, he tells us, God is still in control. 
than to him. That is, Christ was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. It shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. What a, what a vision to have inside. Yes. So how do we walk in the midst of what seems a mess? How do we endure when everything seems to be overwhelming? You see, not everybody does. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 says we are not of those who fall back. But we are those who believe to the saving. That's why it's important, you know, to know how to navigate the mess that happened in the process of our faith. You need to know your history and what has happened in the past. You got to remember God's help that he gave you yesterday so you can trust him today and tomorrow. We got to learn to trust the God of history. And not only the God of history, but the God of the future. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the only forever. Thank you, Jesus. That's important. Because when the effects of beastly rule seem to be overwhelming and be in charge. We need to know we belong to a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. You know about the stone pillars. Let us not forget the Lord. Number two, you need to know what is happening is just a season. It's just a season. Because he has made everything beautiful in its time. Yes. Beautiful, he said. In the 31 seasons of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. They are part of what happens in our life. The first one was you were born. The last one that you'll experience is that you're going to die. But then there's 29 different seasons in there that are part of part of life. Yes, in our natural world, there's only four. But in the world of life, there's 31. 
season. Doesn't make any difference. He does work all of them for good to them that love him and are called according to his, his purpose. I hope you can begin to see it that, you know what I mean, and make an, a personal application. Because our seasons get the best of us. We don't have a perspective. What good can come out of this? What's the value of what has taken place? This does not seem to fit with my dream nor my vision. There's more to God's plan and God's dream than just the fulfillment. It's the development. It's the development. Now, I'm not saying that you should go around, you know what I mean, and, and, and start broadcasting your messy situations, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, you know, you need to learn to handle them. You need to learn how to adjust in them. You need to realize that sometimes you just have to get in God's waiting room and wait. Joseph spent two years in prison. Two years. He spent 11 years in Potiphar's house. Pretty nice. Those were the good years. Those were those years, you know what I mean, that hallelujah, you know, I'm celebrating in my dream. And then an event happened and he ended up in prison. You know, when God says his ways are not our ways, (laughs) yeah, it seems like they're awful messy. Seems like they're awful messy. But without the mess, you'll never get to the rest. Yes. Everybody may have forgotten you. But God hasn't. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Well, he says, even if she does, I guarantee you I will not. Hallelujah. I won't forget. We don't need any more pity parties, church. (laughs) Amen. You know, the den of lions is not a fun place. The fiery furnace is not a fun place. And none of us have even in this great country of ours even close to any of those things, okay? But it's after them how we are standing. That's when the glory of God when we give him the glory. When you come through the trial, we are not to think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that's about to overtake you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Oh! 
I don't like it. I don't either. But in the world you'll have tribulation. How many know that the world's having tribulation too? How did you overcome? Now, hallelujah. Your life is on display. You want to remember that the purpose of God never dies. The circumstances may try to convince you otherwise. Yes. But when you look on the major victories in your life, you don't realize that they're victories until they have passed. What seems to be defeat turns out to be the most profound victories that arise from your life. It says not one word of God will fail. Hebrews 12, and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Remember, the natural almost always counterattacks the supernatural. Yes. But because our life is hid with Christ and God in every natural thing that we give Him, when He touches it, it becomes supernatural. Now, that's not some kind of weird, eerie, you know, out there. Paul said it's sown a natural body and it's raised a spiritual body. There's a principle in that. We know that's talking about when this body, you know what I mean? But the principle of naturalness, and then we sow it, and all of a sudden, it has an aura of it, of he who is supernatural. And close with this, this morning. To do what Abraham did, and let me read it. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not to exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believes, so that he became the father of many nations. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. In deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that he who had promised, he was able to perform. Here's the thing. When it seems like time has run out, when it seems as though natural time has expired, that's what he's telling this year. Divine time is still on time. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, natural times do expire. But divine time is always 
on time. There will be times that you will have to believe in hope against all hope except the hope in the mighty one. You must not, we must not over-attention ourselves to those things that seem to have passed away or no longer in existence to reproduce. Because the purpose always lives in spite of the circumstance. So what did Abraham do? And I want, to, I want you to do this. It says that he believed in him. He swam in the promises of God. He just took the promises and that became his swimming pool. Now, he didn't arrive there in the infancy of his faith journey. But he arrived there in the maturing of his faith journey. Yeah. So don't get so hard on yourself. You're in development. You're in development. But as she said, that, that reworking, that's where God has taken us. We trust so much of the natural, and I'm guilty. God says, I want you just to trust me. Stand with me this morning. It looks messy. It looks messy. <coughs> but even though natural time has expired, divine time is still on time. Give a Lord a praise this morning as we sing and close this out this morning. Hallelujah. It is still still